Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, all right, all right. Hey, gang, welcome back. It is 2022. Happy New Year. Best Tuesday you've had probably all year by now, right? And, of course, time for the True Wealth Radio Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. Joining me today in studio. Matt Dixon. Matt, excited to be back in the saddle. New Year already. Yeah, have you got your goals done? Uh, you know, I have got them well underway. Uh, this one, I'm. This is a weird way to say it. I am proud that they're not fully done. Yeah, because that I, means you got a long list, right? Well, it's not the long list as much as I mean, there are elements to it, but I took real time off to spend time with family during the holiday break, and I really did sort of turn work off, and that's a. First of all, that's a compliment to like you and the rest of the team. Yeah. Thank you for letting me take a real vacation. I couldn't have done it without the team. They were awesome. Right? Everyone and, stepped and, up. Well, nor could I, right? Everybody yeah. did such a great job. Uh, it's something that I will, you know, we don't plug the business a ton on this program because that's not the point. It's supposed to be education and entertainment. But just a shout out to the team at Little John Financial. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to give them by name, right? Kelsey, who's our air traffic control, Heather, who's kind of ATC South and she's running, uh, most of the, 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 the schedule and everything here in the Roseburg branch. Uh, Sarah, who stepped up and is learning super fast. Um, Wes on the team, who's still cranking up in Salem. Justin, who you hear on the radio on occasion, who's another one of the advisors kicking butt. Matt, you're kicking butt and picking it up. There we go. So Everybody has really just uh, done an awesome job of covering for each other when there were breaks or, you know, overflow, hand and work back and forth to each other. It's cool to see a team work well. It's it's becoming like a financial pit crew. You know, you just it's really efficient and it's great to see. Yeah, it's been good. Yeah. So but but what a blessing to me personally to get to take a little time off took the kids and we did not package Christmas this year. Where'd you go? Disney. And what was your favorite ride? Oh man. Uh, was it okay. the Star Wars one? I think it probably was. What was the name of that again? The Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the Resistance. Uh, okay. I don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't gone on, you know. So this is one of those like just kind of quietly just say it was a very immersive experience kind of ride, right? So uh, think of it as if you become a participant in the Star Wars franchise. You that are, sounds like so much. You fun. are a rebel. You are, you know, going into this environment, and you get to experience that whole thing almost like a first-person point of view, where you are having to, to usher your way through. And the ride is part of it, but there's an entire storyline that you're a participant in. If you could be a character in Star Wars, who would it be? Would you be Yoda? No. Obi-Wan? No. Who do you I, I mean Obi-Wan I actually thought was a pretty pretty cool character as far as not too much of a hothead. You know, you don't see the parts where he failed a lot. You see mostly the parts mm -hmm. where he's maturing and you know, the the reboots he was sort of young and more of a, you know, pretty awesome if you it, when he was older he's just sort of this wise guy that seemed to know too much and you couldn't quite figure out why that was cool right yeah uh, and there were a number of characters that were cool but you don't know all their backstory so 
I don't know. I mean, R two D two is cool. Come on, it's true. How much did that robot save everybody's bacon? And it's we true. really never knew, except when you see it through his eye, like on the side, all the things that R two made happen. I want to be Han Solo so that yeah. I can fly the the Millennial Falcon. Yeah, That'd be pretty I will sweet. tell you that uh, life size replica of the Millennium Falcon at Disney. And is there really? Oh yeah, no. I'm like full size. Like you walk into their Star Wars section. And it is a life-size version, and it's like, whoa, it's really sitting there. It's crazy. You know Kelsey's up in Salem listening to this show, and she's like, I wish I was there so I could talk about Disney. I hope so. I hope so. Because it anyway, it was quite an experience. Uh, it was a neat time. It was super packed. Uh, yeah, and those of you that are wondering, if you were outside, you didn't have to wear a mask. If you were indoors, you did. It wasn't oppressive. Uh, you know, we went through the Genie Plus system, so we went ahead and upgraded to the deal where you can kind of schedule certain rides. So you don't have to stay on line as much, and that mm. worked great to to manage our kids and not spend all the time in line. Did so they we, get pretty anxious waiting packed. in the lines? The kids were cool. They did great. Do they entertain you while you're standing in line? Sometimes, yeah. I mean, well, there you go. I love my kids. I mean, I should, right? I'm your parent. I love my kids. They're but they're fun. They got great personalities you know from the youngest to the oldest to the middleest they're all they all bring neat things to the table yeah and um so my wife's there and we brought my sister-in-law also she came oh with us. i didn't know that yep and she brings a ton of flavor to it too she loves her nieces so she was lots of fun cool but uh disney was all like y you really you got to hear christmas music done with like bluegrass where you realize, that would be like, interesting oh wow yeah you're going through frontier land and hearing you know, Silent Night played on a banjo or something. It's just remarkable. <laughs> David, we're getting ourselves in the weeds today, aren't we? Oh, no, what? no. We're, this is just, it's a thank you to our listeners. Ah, it's a neat okay. acknowledgement that I got to take a real break. So my goals are still being compiled. Okay. Right? And some of the projections for 2022 are still being compiled right now. So they'll be done by the end of the week. And uh, Projection-wise, where we look at where the market's going to go, mm -hmm. and I think thematically, that's some of what today's show is going to be about. Yeah, right. You know, if we're looking at 2022, 2021 is now in the record books, right? And we could do a review, and all of you could yawn, or we could say, well, but what do we think we might want to pay attention to looking ahead as investors? And so we're going to get the crystal ball out, the magic eight ball. And, uh, you know, whatever other stuff we need to use to try to conjure up some ideas about the future today. But I think that that could benefit our listeners. I do, too. I mean, we want to know what's happening, what's going to go down. Well, so. And we don't know what's going to go down, right? But we can make an educated guess. Well, we can make an educated guess. Or today I want to talk about something kind of funky. It's been named in the last, I don't know, probably 15 years or so where it shows up a lot more uh the and it, it was named such because it did the, nobody believed that it, they existed and then they were discovered in australia i think or maybe new zealand one of the two but hmm. something called a black swan okay right and we all know like the the bird right a swan yeah graceful uh when they are fully grown they're kind of less graceful when they're young right but typically, what color is a swan? White. White. So what's a black swan? A dangerous swan. Well, and it, what it was supposed to be is not good or evil or racist or any of that. So knock that crap off if your mind went there. A black swan is a statistical reference. 
they weren't supposed to exist. It would be a genetic anomaly to have a black swan. Mm-hmm. Like, how would you get that to happen? It'd be like an outlier event that doesn't occur normally. I just know that when I think black swan in relation to the market, I think of something bad. So Well, typically that's what it refers to, although it could a black swan could produce a positive result. Okay. Okay. I mean, if we think of it as it's supposed to be like on a bell curve, the really, really extreme edges. So I guess we could have tails. something super extreme that is wonderful. We could have we a could. huge market eruption and everything just yeah, it's, does great. It's a lot harder to think of. But let me give you an example of something that could really make the market super optimistic. And this is a really extreme and odd one. Okay. But, but let's say that uh, we all of a sudden overnight got news that we had cured cancer. Okay. Right? That would uh, that would be a systemic effect in the positive, like across the board. Like, I mean, if, or let's say that we were capable of cracking the human genome at such a level that we could actually understand at a genetic level for every individual on the planet how to medically solve their problems. And we went from a maintenance organization to a solving organization and everybody got healthier. Right. That would fundamentally change the way the market worked. Now, certain businesses would be harmed by that. You know, pharmaceutical, for example, may actually that wouldn't be good for them necessarily at first, because now you're like, well, wait a second. All the drugs that people were paying for maintenance, they don't need anymore. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, that would be disruptive to their industry. But think about all of the other things that would be remarkable that we could do if we solved something like that. Right. Or here's another example. Like, let's say we came up with a way to teleport things right yeah teleportation was possible like star trek became real when you could beam shipments across the world instantly yeah or to the moon or something if that happened it would fundamentally alter the supply chain for every business in the world that's true right so that would be a black swan event that would change the markets as we know it and it could be positive it could okay but there are plenty of events that are negative. I mean, the first one was like, how about COVID, right? We didn't have a good plan for a pandemic. And the result was massive disruption and major market interruptions. Since then, massive money printing and the markets kind of went up. Yeah. But was that a black swan? I'd say, yeah. And it almost ended up being a positive thing for the markets. I mean, all of the money printing, the i mean it i mean look at where the market finished in 2021 yeah i mean it hurt there for a minute but it came back really quick so it did and this is an interesting one i want to sort of connect on this theme for a minute for 2022 also all right and here's what it is deferred gratification hurts instant gratification doesn't what instant gratification does though is it defers the pain Okay. Yeah. Does that make sense to everybody? It does. Like, if you spend on a credit card, you get the joy right now. You get the pain of paying for it later. Okay. So, what does that mean about what did COVID do in terms of instant gratification versus long term consequences? Hmm. I feel like we could take that in a lot of different angles. I think we could. But I'm looking at the clock and thinking maybe we take our first break. Okay. All right. We'll do that. And for all of you wondering why now, look, I'm going to talk about how 
printing money can drive markets and then the gotchas. But we got to take a gotcha break first. So stick around. We'll be right, right. back. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. We got True Wealth on News Radio 1240. KQEN. Hey, gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Matt Dixon. All right. And reminder, if you want to get caught up, check out our podcast available every... Uh, after the show, it's going to be published. So every Wednesday, it shows up on our webpage. Go to littlejohnfs.com and check out the Educate tab, and you can navigate through. And there's enough material there now that you could listen to gaffes for months yeah, there, I'm sure. Like, if you just need podcast material, oh, wow, have we got it, right? We need to start recording all these conversations we have off air in between our commercial breaks. Like, if you really want the juicy stuff, yeah. So catch vote, vote from our listeners how many folks would like that to happen. Or uh, we've thought about live streaming the show, putting it up on, like, YouTube and Facebook while we're oh, yeah. doing the show. And then you would actually get the off-air commentary as well if you saw it on the live stream. Mm-hmm, that's okay? true. Meanwhile, the question we asked at the break, right? So as we were coming to our last break, we asked the question of looking at 2022 and basically money printing, what does that do to the markets? Okay. And well, there's a lot more money in circulation. Yeah. So let's, I'm going to throw out my opinion. Do it. Okay, and then I'm going to ask you some questions about your opinions, Matt. Let's do it. So. Here's the academic side of it, right? We call it cost of capital, okay? So if money printing happens, then in theory, it's easier to get access to money. That's what was going on, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Money printing occurs through either the actual printing of, uh, the, in this case, the printing of money was quantitative easing. So the, the U.S. Treasury Department issues treasury bonds, and then the Federal Reserve Bank buys them. And then, boom, money's in circulation. And then... That money is effectively the government is financed without using taxes. It's used there. And so it's a way to fund government operations, which is supposed to be stimulative to the economy. It's partially it, right? It's also a way to force interest rates down. And you think, wait, what? Right? If you're wondering, like, how does the Federal Reserve that. Well, there's more access to that money. So. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's more than that, right? I mean, the access, sure, but. If they buy up all the bonds and the bonds then go up in price, bond yields decline. Then no one wants them. Well, it makes the relative yield, right? It makes the income rate on those bonds, relatively speaking, lower because the price keeps getting bid up. Mm -hmm. Well, the banking system prices their loans off of the long-term collateral that they're also using. Oh, there's a key point. Yeah. So the bond market influences the rates that are set by banks because banks are are looking at the interest rate market and so if the federal reserve drives rates down it drives rates down for banks now that can be good for consumers that want loans and where do we see that happen yeah tell them yeah real estate yeah like how many people got super cheap 30-year mortgages Lots. Everyone's raising their hand right? like, hey, and, I jumped you know, in on that. Compared to 10 years ago, right, 6% mortgages instead of 3% mortgages, you can borrow a lot more money at 3% than 6 mm -hmm. And if you can borrow more money, you can pay more money for more house. So that means that people have access to capital to drive up the price of real estate. 
And they had a demand for real estate because COVID kicked us out of the workplace. We had to work from home. And people didn't want to work in a 400-square-foot apartment. They wanted a house in the suburbs. <laughs> yeah. We saw so many people moving to you know out of cities. How about moving to Roseburg? Roseburg, like, I think Montana. Try to something in Roseburg. Yeah. Roseburg's where we live. If you're, if you're listening out of area, right, Roseburg is this small town in Oregon on Interstate 5. Okay, And if you're in Roseburg, you're like, we all know that. Yeah, but guess what? We have people that listen all over the country now. And if you're it's checking true. this podcast out, you could be anywhere. So depending on the when and where you're you're checking out the podcast. So it's a small rural Oregon, small rural Oregon, a bunch of people moved here. And you can't rent property now because they bought everything up. You, you can rent property, but it's super low vacancy rate. Like there's hardly mm-hmm. any rentals available. Yeah. And that's also because of land use restrictions and then government intervention for, with landlords and, you know, rent forbearance and all kinds of other issues that created... Uh, you know, changes in the real estate market, right? Trying to be diplomatic about this because I don't always like these things. I mean, they, they sound good from a human perspective, but the impact to markets is very manipulative. Mm. And if there's one thing that we should all be able to agree on, regardless of your politics, government has manipulated economic markets dramatically. Oh, yeah. Okay. When you re- manipulate interest rates and real estate markets, those are two of the largest drivers of our uh, total economy. Huge, right? The banking system and real estate, because real estate's the collateral for the banking system. So banking system is the way that we fund everything else in the economy. How much longer do you think the rates can stay this low? Well, now, great question. Yeah? Right? Great question, because we're looking forward, and we talked to our listeners about, hey, we want to, let's talk about looking forward into 2022. Mm -hmm. So, one of the things... I think they can stay low longer than people realize. Really? Explain. Mm-hmm. Well, for one, we haven't seen, we've seen economic improvement. We really have. But COVID continues to throw stuff off. Let's think about airlines right now. That's a, yeah. Right? How many flights are canceled because we can't get pilots and crews for planes because of the quarantine requirements of COVID? It's a real struggle. Real struggle, okay? Now, that's just a reality here. Again, I don't care about your politics. It is what it is. I mean, you could say like, no, they're doing the right thing. Or you could say, no, they're doing the wrong thing. You don't care which side of the fence you're on. They're doing the thing, and it's having an economic impact. It is. Whether you agree with it or not isn't material to whether or not it's happening. It's happening. So we have these scenarios where we have economic headwinds, we have a lot of inflation too. And inflation's it's real, right? Things are getting super expensive. Food, energy, housing, basically all the stuff that we spend our money on. I'm not sure how, like, you know, if you want to go measure like gold and platinum and palladium and some weird stuff, like, okay, so those aren't all going up. Wasn't steel one of the highest inflating? Steel went up massively wasn't last year. Wasn't 90 something percent yeah, or something? 88 something crazy. So, but then two years ago in 2020, post forest fires, think about how expensive lumber, lumber yeah. got. What's right? deflating? Well, I mean, lumber's come off of its highs, mm-hmm. so you could say that's deflating. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I don't know how much stuff is deflating. Yeah. I think it's expensive. Like, life's expensive. That's right why now. when I see that 6% inflationary rate, it's like, eh. I struggle to buy it. I, I do, look too. At, you know, fuel up. 
roughly 30% over this time last year? 30%? Yeah. Okay. I don't know where you got six from. You know, mm -hmm. if it cost me 30% more to gas up my vehicle, vehicle prices are up like 30% or something. And I don't know that they're going to go back down. You know, it all depends on that supply and demand dynamic. If there really is, as was reported, this massive supply of vehicles awaiting chips so that those vehicles can hit the marketplace, then we could have a real supply glut because you got now previous year models that are sort of sitting in obscurity and they're going to get dumped on the market. And they're going to need to get liquidated so that the new 20-whatever models can get pushed mm -hmm. out there. So to me, it's a combination of that that's an interesting dynamic it'll be right? interesting to see if they flood the market just push all of those rigs once they're ready well, my out there or is, do they kind of gradually feed them into the system and to keep if, the if prices I stabilized man i think a lot are going to hit the system you think, think so? about how much they are sitting on right now and how much capital is tied up that's there. true they i mean at some point you talk about aging assets or aging inventory in a retail model mm -hmm. and while this is a you know institutional retail giant companies right but how you know can you afford to have hundreds of thousands of vehicles all of that 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 labor product tied up yeah. and not liquidated the cost of capital the cost of carrying that or holding it on your balance sheet and not being able to sell it is really high what happens if it's two or three years from now until the chips really do start hitting these vehicles and yeah, they sat there I that mean, long i, I mean then the, what the charlie foxtrot right i mean mm -hmm. not good yeah <laughs> you know what that means you guys get me uh it's a cluster Mm -hmm. I, mean, I mean, it's it's a real economic impact there if you flood the market with massive supply, because the the dynamic that's going to complicate that is unions, right? Unions still have productivity requirements, or if they're not producing, they still have income requirements. Yeah, and you don't want to pay employees to not be right. there. Right, you don't want to pay employees to not work, so you're going yeah. to keep the employees producing at some level, which means your inventory continues to build. So you're playing a math game now of saying, yeah. what's our cost of paying versus you know negotiating layoffs and union negotiations are challenging in an in a, a increasing like wage environment. Wages are going up, right? Mm -hmm. So union labor is theoretically going to get more expensive, but the product of what needs to get pushed out is going to become a glut, which is going to you know, pull on the other side of the balance sheet. Your cost of capital could be going up if the Federal Reserve is intentionally starting to allow rates to raise again by reducing the amount of quantitative have easing we, they're doing. Have we started to see that already? Yeah, they've already announced that they are slowing their quantitative, their purchases, and there's discussion about, I think the target was three rate hikes this year. And we normally don't see a rate hike each year, do we? Yeah. One yeah, every like, two just, years or so? I can't get on board with the question. Oh, okay. Right, and I'm because sorry. Because it varies so... It, well, you're right. I mean, it it's varies so it's, often. It's absolutely economically dependent. In periods of economic expansion, when the economy is growing, rate hikes are much more typical. Mm -hmm. But in uh, economic contraction periods, rate hikes are really unusual. So this is a screwball environment when you go, wait a second. We have an inflationary market where, where the economic forces are, are going up. You know, unemployment's low. Labor participation rate is declining. And we're still trying to do stimulative efforts in the marketplace. There's a lot of things that don't make a ton of economic sense. Like, why are you trying to stimulate the economy when it's at all-time highs on paper and you're trying to fight inflation? Yeah. 
you shouldn't be, right? So like an infrastructure spend says, oh, well, we can do that and get more productivity and go, but what do you do when unemployment's already super low and inflation's super high? You don't pour more gasoline on the economy because that just drives inflation through the roof. So the Federal Reserve is like, well, we have, we're trying to balance or serve two masters here. We need to slow inflation where Congress is not playing ball. Congress is trying to spend money that doesn't exist too. So the Fed invented money, and now Congress wants to invent money in the form of debt. They're almost doubling down on it. Not Definitely. Yeah. So it gets back to your original question, right? Does money printing hurt the markets? No until it does. It's tricky. Right? Because spending on a credit card is instant gratification. But at what point does spending on a credit card reach the point that you can't make your minimum payments? Or it reaches the point where you're driving inflation and you're overpaying for things because you have a credit card, kind of like the real estate market, some could argue. Yeah, we're starting to creep right. up on this economic theory. Like, what side? What stance do you take? What side of the fence that's, are you on? That's the question. Is how mm-hmm. many angels can dance on the head of that pin, right? And my sense is that we never really give Keynesian economics a chance. And if for all of you listeners, that your eyes roll back in your head for a second, all right, first, focus on the road if you're driving. Okay. <laughs> second, uh, John Maynard Keynes was an economist, and his basic theory was that government should play a role in balancing economic activity. When the economy is really soft and in contraction, government should spend to stimulate things to spool it back up. And then when the economy is really strong, the government should bank surplus and put it into an account somewhere for the rainy day when it softens and they should and spend it. there's the problem. We the don't bank. The government never banks, right? Like yeah. if things are good, spend it. It's good. If things are bad, spend it to make it good. And I'm like, okay, this is not Keynesian economics. This is politicians spending money to get reelected. Yep. And modern monetary theorists suggest maybe we can just do that forever and we never have to pay the debt back so the federal reserve can conjure up you know money and we never have to pay it back and so far it's worked right the question is it works until it doesn't and i don't know when it doesn't anymore maybe it goes on forever like this and we just or maybe okay. some of the tinfoil hat people aren't as crazy as you think when they suggest that the World Economic Forum is totally cool with all of the Global 20 and the large megacorps allowing this spending spree to happen because at some point the plan is through carbon credits or other mechanisms to repatriate the primary all those countries into a new currency. Kind of like when they, they got together and packaged it up for the euro. Imagine creating the Globo or something weird like that that's mm-hmm. the UNO, right? What are we going to use as the global currency and and global government funding mechanism? And there's your crypto crowd coming well, out of the world. crypto crowd is coming out to say, that's why I love crypto, because mm-hmm. that's decentralized. Okay? But can a fully decentralized currency work? Or oh. do we have to take this to the break? No, we got to take it. That is the best question, Matt. All right. Can a decentralized currency work? Oh, man, did you open up a can there. I'm ready for it, though. All right, let's take this uh, obscene profit break, and we'll be right back. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN.
Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show. Dave Littlejohn in studio with... Matt Dixon. Matt, what have you done? I don't know. <laughs> the, look, this is getting I, ridiculous like, when the radio what? gets turned off. We're just... So, so you asked the question at the break about... I mean, how did you phrase it again? Was it about, you know, what do you do with... Can uh, cryptocurrency... Um, oh, what did I say? I think it was around, can you use a decentralized currency? Something and, like and that. And can it, yeah, you can know, it so last in the long run? That's so what how it does, was. How does crypto play into 2022? Now, let me, let me give you a little backstory. Matt's trying to be productive on Monday. And he's... He's got his head down and he's working hard and the gears are turning and I can see the smoke coming out of his ears. So what do I do as any uh, useful distractor would do? I walk in holding a cup of coffee and go, hey, what are you doing right now? Mm -hmm. And uh, I reply and goes, with. And his reply is, I'm changing the world for the better, right? Or some summary of that, right? It was slightly different verbiage like, huh? But, but that's yeah. what he meant, right? <laughs> and I said, you got a second? And he's like, fine. <laughs> I, I think it was more optimistic than that, too. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I drag Matt and I drag Justin into our conference room. And do you remember the question I asked you? I don't. So <laughs> it's, the, it's the phraseology is what I said. What do you think could go wrong in 2022? Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys look at me like, whoa, senior buzzkill. What's the story here, right? <laughs> it was fun to speculate, though, because normally you don't think about it in that context more you know more often than not it's like what awesome things are going to happen to make me money well the point was and it wasn't a debbie downer conversation no. right when i said what could go wrong it was a let's talk about black swans let's think about what could derail the economy because i have a funny theory about what's going on here so many people have told me this thing's got to have a correction right i mean it's just due that's always a good signal to buy and stay in, right? Well, like, so my when joke the... is bull markets don't die of old age, right? Something kills them, mm. okay? And so what would change that would make this market change? Because when I look right now at the projections for growth and where things are headed, I actually – now, asterisk, disclaimer, yeah. disclosure, right? Not providing investment advice, but I'm just going to tell you – what some of the projections were looking like. And here's what I'm also going to offer to you. If you are listening to this, send an email to, well, actually, you, I think you can subscribe to our mailing list on our webpage, right? But if you don't know how to get there, send us an email to info at littlejohnfs and we'll add you to our client communication list because we're going to be sending out some of the actual updates with you know pictures and charts and stuff for our projections. Oh, now you're accountable to it. Yes, David. right. I you know, just like it's really officially made just yourself lit account. on fire, yeah. right? When we're looking out there, I, I'm just telling you, it's crazy. But the projections are that this market could still do like somewhere between 16 and 18 percent return this year, right? And you know, a lot of analysts are saying more like 12 with some headwinds in the first and second quarter, and that may be the case. We're all taking our best swag-educated guests that we can at this stuff, right? But the numbers really do sort of marry up to the idea that it could, it could go like that. So then we have to ask ourselves, well, what would make it not go like that? What are the speed bumps? What are the road bumps we could hit? Yeah, and that was the question. What could go wrong? 
And there were a few things that we talked about, right? Um, a big one, Matt, that you mentioned right out of the gate uh, was in the White House. Yeah. What if Biden doesn't make it through the year? Yeah. Like, what if he's removed from office for medical reasons? Yeah. I mean, it's and this one, I mean, there's the fun thing on the show. I know some of you are listening, going like, heck, yeah. And some of you are like, oh, don't even talk like that. I mean, we're not wishing that on anybody. No, I don't care what team you play for. Wishing harm on your opponent is wrong. Yep. Period. Okay. So in this case, it's just a very realistic look is that, you know, somebody in their 80s that starts to have medical issues manifests, are they capable of maintaining that leadership position? And I don't care if you believe they're propped up by other people making the decisions or not, and it's a figurehead or what. How long can you stay on your own two feet? If the gaffes get real or if a real medical event occurs, then what? That's a good question. I think it's a real possibility. It may be statistically still still low probability, but not so small that we should ignore it. Mm -hmm. I think it was a good point. What would it look like if that happened? I think it'd be a major disruption to the markets. Do you see a lot of increased volatility? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I think anytime that happens and you've got turmoil in the power structure for decision making mm-hmm. and what that means to the election cycle of 2022 which you know in November we're going to have you know Senate and House up for election again for different positions right so what that means for infrastructure spending and so forth are all material mm-hmm. that, that's real in our economy so I think that's a biggie uh, what was Justin's slipping my mind I know well, you... we talk, we we assumed that there would be rate hikes, mm-hmm. right? That was an assumption: is that we're going to see rate hikes. Um, I know the one that was on my mind more so than, uh, and Justin, golly, that's Justin. I know you're listening. You're driving back from Salem, so you text me and remind me I what know, yours was. Right? <laughs> but the one that I thought was an interesting black swan, and this one just. It, this has the potential to ruffle feathers, and if you were marking it, this is sort of the point where the next 15 minutes of this program could be a podcast in and of themselves. Ooh. Is what happens with cryptocurrency? And you and you might be thinking like, wait, I mean, that's not the markets. That's not the economy. Isn't that this fringe thing? But you had good points. Talk about these. This is really interesting stuff. This is good. Yeah, so first off, I think crypto is an interesting anomaly that we've talked on this program about like the the technology of blockchain is quite legitimized right mm, I mean, like, for sure but, so that that has a real use case but crypto has some and i need to disclose first of all i do not own any crypto it is something we are actively looking at in our firm for how it might apply but we need to be very aware of the arena of combat, if you will, for this. Because it doesn't just affect the own market of the currency itself. Right. It has an arm that reaches out and yeah. touches a lot of other pieces of the market. Crypto has got some serious pin action. Serious pin action. And if you want to know what that means, you're going to have to hang on. We're going to take the last break, right? You want to hear about the pin action of crypto and what we think that could mean for investors? Stick around. We'll be right back. And Justin Dave Littlejohn. So right we're on. gonna get that too. Good stuff. Okay. So stick around. It's Dave Littlejohn and Matt Dixon, and you got True Well on News Radio 1240 KQEN.
So Omicron variant, right? Uh-huh. That's Justin's. Yep. I, and it was, I don't think it was just Omicron. I think it was COVID. Would we see... Because Omicron was, has been almost turning into a better case scenario than what people originally thought. It, it appears, and we had hoped for this, right, that it would be easily spread, but it would be a lot less challenging for folks. And so the hospitalizations rates have not spiked nearly as much with the caseload spiking uh, or, or the positives spiking in, in the Omicron variant so far. And I, you know, as best we can tell. Hey, I'm not a medical pro or anything. Yeah. And but he gave what, us the disclaimer. He's yeah. not texting and driving folks. Yeah, good job. Yeah. But what happens if a different variant was ugly, right? All right. It's that, possible. That could happen. It's, it's possible. possible. So, all right. With that out of the way, I, I really do want to talk about this crypto phenomenon for a minute. And when I use the term pin action, right, if you're just joining us, catch the podcast at littlejohnfs.com and you can get caught up. But what do I mean by pin action, Matt? Pin action. Did you it's mention like a bowling that? term, right? This is oh. a Jim Cramer. Term. Oh yeah, I pin mean, action. Like if you if need crypto to pick up goes a down, split, then you know you're going to knock one pin into another. It's going to create more chaos. Yeah, if crypto is the wrecking ball that comes through the lane, you know what other things topple when it goes down. Well, and that's it's connected to other stuff. Yeah, right. So crypto is connected to big tech in the in terms of server usage and internet bandwidth and what about the the banking system and you pointed out on the break visa can mm -hmm. transact in crypto now yeah okay and they've so, invested so much money what happens right. if it fails right that's so, an investment and, you don't and people get your return on. go it can't fail and yes, i want to say it absolutely can no absolutely and for the apologists to say no no there's all of this energy that's gone into and all the people that you know the the number of of tokens or coins that exist are finite and it's like digital gold and i will say you know what you're not acknowledging is that a decentralized currency lacks any form of ability to defend itself the government can defend itself right and its I mean, policy making a, a fiat currency yeah, it's conjured up by the government, but the government also organizes the rules of your society. Mm -hmm. So let's think about China as an example. China, with the stroke of a pen, metaphorically, outlawed Bitcoin. Yeah. Why? Why would they do that? Uh, that's a good question. Because how do you have a government-managed economy with things like rules for business, right? If you have a business and there are certain rules, like, like here's what you don't want. I can't believe you're going to hear me say this on the radio. You know what we don't want? Completely unrestrained capitalism. And I'm a capitalist. Mm -hmm. like, we have T-shirts that say ethical capitalist on it. But there's the word ethical in front of it. it. Right? I don't want unrestrained capitalism. You know why? Because of monopolies? Right. Yeah. Because capitalism, when it reaches its the, the, the penultimate step, the top of the mountain is monopoly, total control over the market. And once you're a monopoly, you're not capitalist anymore. Mm -hmm. There's no natural checks and balances through competition because you've absorbed all of the competition. You are the competition, so you have no competition. Do you think China feared Bitcoin 
overtaking their currency, though? Or no. do you think it was deeper than that? No, I think that it's more along the lines of when you have a managed economy and they're now managing their behavior of their people, you know, mm-hmm. they're giving them social rank, they're paying attention to their behavior, their purchases, and they're making life easier for the people that are compliant and harder for the people that are non-compliant. Mm-hmm. So in, an, in a regime where that can be how you treat your population, and you genuinely are controlling behaviors. You're just lacking right? control. And, when and, the... and keep in mind, controlled behaviors may have broad parameters. You may still get a fair amount of choice in there, but there are guardrails. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how China works is they put guardrails around it. A lot of people are totally cool living within those guardrails, so they don't find it terribly oppressive. But if you want to be outside those guardrails, right, all of a sudden you can be outside of parameters that's acceptable. And, and China has a reputation for being iffy, I'm being really polite here, iffy about human rights. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so And the government has the final say. Well, a fiat currency works that way, right? right? I mean, like the, because the fiat currency is for the sovereignty of a, of a country. So that's how the government is maintaining. What would happen in the United States if everything went to anonymous currency? How do you, how do you tax track that? the taxes? Yeah. How do you fund the government? How do you fund public services? Mm-hmm. Right? How are we going to pay for firefighters and road maintenance and everything else if, if we anonymize every transaction and we can't tax it? Right. And so people will say, well, then we'll have to be able to tax it. Okay, so you can tax portions of Bitcoin, <laughs> but, but then it's, you know, how are you going to trade it around and keep the track of the tokens? And how are you going to keep it from being stolen anymore and so forth? Like the regulatory environment is a completely open landscape right now. But rest assured, the IRS is not about to have you own something and not pay taxes. And if you have huge appreciation in Bitcoin and you go to buy anything, it's a capital gain in the coin itself if you transact but with it. But the government can't track it because but of the, the blockchain. Can't, yeah. which means you're now unintentionally but potentially I love tax that. evading. Yeah, no. Which is, last I checked, how they threw Al Capone in jail, right? I mean, like it but now that, anyone can can get away with it. It is a massive issue. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, I think the technology is legitimate. I think the concept of decentralized currency is really, really interesting. But I don't think that this is a sure thing, home run, any idiot should do it. And if you, all you need to do is hold your breath, jump in, and you'll be a bazillionaire later. Like, no, I don't believe that. Because mm-hmm. I don't think the government is going to just sit back and allow these things to happen. What if they say you're, you can't buy certain things? Like you can't buy anything with Bitcoin because they consider it a black market transaction. Yeah, then what? Then what? Right? Then, then you're going to be trading your NFTs for homes under the table, right? Well, <laughs> but, but the, you know, anything that has a title tracked through a government entity, That's true. you're not going to, it's going to make it really darn hard. Yeah, where did you come up with $300,000? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I still think there's a bit of circular logic that we value Bitcoin in dollars. I know, right? So I'm like, okay, well, it's worth this many dollars. So we need, apparently we still care about the dollars, right? That's a little bit weird. But for now, Wild West, right? And you know what happens in the Wild West? Things get gunned down. Yep, and the rules get made up as, as you go. So as, as my, I had a teacher that used to joke, in the Wild West, everybody was really polite because everybody had a gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and right now, Bitcoin is pretty Wild West. And so 
I want to know where the guns are. That's <laughs> kind of how it goes. They're being bought and sold in Bitcoin. That's yeah, where the and, guns and are. So <laughs> there are many, many things that are amazing about what it can mean. Like, like it's just so exciting, the potential for it. It's just that people get Pollyanna about this stuff and they don't look at the, the danger stuff. It'll be interesting to see if in 2022 we see regulations get rolled out yeah. on crypto. I mean, they're all already... They've been trying to for a long time, but it's a really well, complex and the, and the, the equation. Expectation, like you realize like if you go on your tax forms and you don't declare profits in crypto, you are potentially breaking the law right now. Mm-hmm. Right? They, they're asking the question. And so... That puts people in a really interesting spot is, you know, is it Scout's Honor? How are we going to track it? And if we can track it, is it really anonymous? And if it's not anonymous, is it decentralized still? Kind of, but it just means it's outside the banking system. But you know what? The government regulates lots of things besides banking. Like, I'm pretty sure I can't put an addition on my home without asking the government. I mean, if I do, I'm supposed to do it myself, and there's a bunch of the and, and if I don't do it to code, it could create a problem selling it later too. Mm-hmm. So there are rules. We can't just pretend they don't exist, and that's where Bitcoin has and any crypto. It's just got a ways to go to figure out what we're going to do with it. Yeah. So uh, I'm not trying to rain on your parade, and if you're investing in it, great. Just be aware that every investment, you know, it takes a market. A market has two sides, right? Good side and a bad side. Or a buy and a sell, as we will. Maybe not good and bad, but there's always a buy and there's always a sell. So, Well, anyway, that's it, man. This, Are we, we already out of time? We're, we're literally no, out of time. Man. The music's playing. So since we got a rock, Matt, how do they reach us? 541-375-0898. All right. You heard it here first, but you won't hear it here last. Uh, check us out at littlejohnfs.com. Email at info at littlejohnfs.com. But for now, we're out of time. So until next time, this has been David Littlejohn. And Matt Dixon. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 1240, KQEN. Happy New Year. The following program is paid for by Little John Financial Services. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.